Welcome back to another episode of Pro Running News. Matt and Dave speaking about the half marathon distance and a recent announcement that came out that Berlin half marathon will be added to a series called the Super Halves, which we've been familiar with for a while. And uh, yeah, Dave, let's let's get into it. I'm glad you're familiar with it, mate. I, I saw this and I was like, what is a Super Halves? What is this witchcraft? Is this a, like a team of superheroes? What's the story? It was like the yeah, Super I, Friends to me. I, I saw, didn't know what I, was going on. I've been on the email list for about a year. I'm not even I'm not even clear how or why I got on the email list. I think <laughs> I might have signed up to something at some point, but I did see the announcement. And I mean, to be fair, the six well, they're five races on the on the super halves roster. They're they're pretty big ones. Um, and Berlin being added to it. Um, yeah, I mean, we can go through the through the list of them. But um, I think a lot of people like you would not have really maybe even heard of the super halves before, or they've only just recently heard of them. So. Yeah, we can talk about what that is and, and what the races are. Yeah, I think like to go through it, the, the series as it stands now, because Berlin gets added for next year, uh, the series includes Lisbon, Prague, Copenhagen, Cardiff and Valencia. So those are fairly big halves, as you've said, and obviously Berlin is quite a big one as well. Runners need to finish them as they currently state in 36 months um, and then they get their super medal. Uh, and then that'll change in, from next year where it'll be the series of six, which includes Berlin, as we said, and they'll have 60 months. So five years, which is pretty big. Yeah, I guess um, they've, you know, they've added one race in two years to the timeline. So I think if I'm honest, this seems to target uh, probably more recreational runners than uh, like, I mean, probably a, a tier down in terms of seriousness of running from the world marathon majors to give you that long to complete halves, I think, I mean, I was looking at this, it's theoretically possible to do these in a year. It's, it takes one her- horrible flight, but it's theoretically possible, right? So mm-hmm. for 2024, Lisbon is the 10th of March. Prague is the 6th of April. The 7th of April is the tough one, which is Berlin. So you go from Prague to Berlin overnight, basically. That is a uh, short train, by the way. <laughs> Sorry? That is about a four-hour train. I've done it before. I've done maybe four and a half, so uh-huh. you can do it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and look, you're running a half in the morning in Prague, I assume, and then you and the next day you're running a half in Berlin. Probably the big pickup is the, the difficult bit. Yeah. Um, then you get a couple months off. Copenhagen's 15th of September. Cardiff is the 6th of October. And then the 27th of October is Valencia. So like, if you're in good shape, right, someone like yourself, for instance, you could do these right, and get them done in a year with a, you know, a crappy 24-hour period where you're catching trains and then you're done, right? Where in... Reality, the marathon, obviously, you need more recovery time. It's probably a three-year journey for most people, perhaps, you know, if not more. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting that they're obviously targeting people probably more entry level. And I think that that's a good thing, right? Let's be honest. The half marathon distance is by far the most popular running event. It's more popular in most places than a 10K or a, or a marathon. Obviously, you can run more 10Ks. But I know in Australia, as an example, if you have a, a 10K, a half marathon, or a marathon, you'll have like... 60 to 80 percent of people doing the half marathon uh, and then the rest some will do the 10k and some will do the uh the marathon and that's obviously often billed as like a do year on year the gold coast or melbourne you'll do the 10k and the next year you do the half and the next year you do the marathon but uh yeah yeah i mean this reminds me of gold coast marathon my hometown where you know the marathon's pretty popular but the half marathon is i think yeah 20 to twenty-five thousand people and the marathons yeah only about 30 40 percent of that and I think that's, yeah. yeah, that is the case at many marathons around the world that have a half marathon as well. They tend to get bigger numbers, but it's a funny distance. It's a distance that's super popular amongst recreational runners, uh, more so yeah. as a beginner's sort of view of like completing the half is a big deal for someone that's pretty new to running Yeah, where a marathon just feels a bit out of reach uh, at that point anyway. Yeah. 
Um, but and, and that's a good way, thing to be clear. To be yeah. clear, that's a good thing. Do not run a marathon if you've never run anything before. Especially if you haven't done any runs over, yeah, maybe 10 or 15K yeah. before. It's probably not a good idea to go straight to the full, but it has been done. Um, yeah. But yeah, amongst elite runners, it's sort of, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, I don't know how, what, how you describe the half. It's, it's a, wh- wh- I mean, one thing that I often wonder, and I think there's a, probably some, a few different answers to this is why Kipchoge or why some of these top marathoners don't do the half and why they don't do it more often and why um, seemingly most marathoners that have been in world record um, you know, shape or they've just recently run a world record, like why they haven't gone down to try and get the half marathon world record. And there's probably a lot of reasons why. I think incentives might be one big one. Um, but yeah, um, before we go into that, I guess we speak a little bit more about, uh, you know, what, what sort of hype will this create, you know, amongst people? I mean, still, like I said in the intro, um, the super half is something that's not really overly well known yet at this point, but it seems like they're trying to make a name for, the, for, for themselves at the moment. So yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I think... the biggest difference is, sorry, I'm darting around between a few topics, but the one other thing that I've noticed that is definitely not part of the world majors, world marathon majors is the is a time frame that they've put in here to have to have to complete yeah. them in a certain amount of time. That's obviously different. Yeah, I don't think you could do that with a world marathon majors. A because of injury, B because of recovery time from a marathon, and, and C because it's hard. Some people yeah. will spend their lives trying to qualify for Boston, and some people will spend their lives trying to get a ballot entry for Tokyo. So it's you know it's pretty difficult to um, uh, to do. So it doesn't surprise me uh, that they've they've given a bit of a time frame here, and that the the world marathon majors haven't. But one thing that no one talks about with the world marathon majors. The, the official title is Abbott World Marathon Majors. They're sponsored by Abbott. And I think that's probably the genesis of part of their popularity is there's lots of history behind those marathons, of course, especially things like Boston. Don't get me wrong. Uh, London, yeah, Berlin, these, these are got, you know, New York. These are very famous marathons, but they've also been brought into the World Marathon Majors, which has got a bunch of marketing behind it and it's helpful, right? So Sydney is a good example. It's about to join in, in Cape Town as well. These don't have big histories but they will be popular because they're part of the series and there's this aspect of uh hype and marketing around it and, and trying to collect them all and um and i wonder if the, you know the super halves can can leverage into some of that um so try to really build some hype around social media people completing them feeling like a thing and maybe it's if the super halves are smart they would be trying to partner in some way some way with the marathon majors to say like if you've done the marathon majors, do this, or if you've done the the, hard, the super halves, do the marathon majors, like to try and create a um, a secondary function, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, so, I think it's yeah. It, I, I, I think I certainly think it's a great idea. When I first heard about it, a little probably about a year ago now, I thought it was a great idea. But I, it's one of those things that I sort of forgot about because you never really see. I've never seen anyone post on social media with their medal yet, uh, so yeah. I'm not sure if that's already a thing or not. Uh, we're not clear, but. Um, yeah, hopefully it does become a thing in the in the future because it looks like they've set themselves up well for next year with the calendar that you, you read out about five minutes ago. Yeah, well, I think let's get on to like why the better marathoners aren't running halves, like, mm. or, or maybe why why the half marathon so low profile because those two things are the same in my mind. Like the yep. simple answer to why the better marathoners aren't running the half is because it's just low profile. They don't like I don't think they see much value in it to be honest. Mm. Well, firstly, it's not like, an Olympic event. So I'm not sure if that really matters. It probably does a little bit, but there's two events in my mind that are like pretty popular, but they're not Olympic events. So they're sort of um, lower profile. And that's the 3000 meters, the 3K, which is obviously yeah. really popular in high school. But then once you get out of high school, yeah. at least in at least in the high schools that we were at, the 3K was the longest event on the track. Um, and then, yeah. uh, you know, in university and college in the US, it's sort of there indoor. 
but it's not really a, it's sort of a lower profile event, even though it's taken pretty seriously. And the half marathon sort of viewed as the same thing. It's, it's lower profile, but it's not an Olympic event. So there's not really, yeah, I guess the, the incentives when it comes to prize money and appearance fees are lower, maybe as a result of that, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I, I think if you think about it and take a step back and go, how do we engage the running community? Uh, I think more stuff on roads, because that's where people run. Let's be honest. The, the true runners, right, you and I, who are used to running around a track, yeah, and wherever else, like, you know, I, I'm I'm just a fan of running, right? So that's a bit different. But if you're trying to get, like, the guy who lives across the road from me who runs 5Ks or to how fast Kelvin Kipton runs a marathon, he, does, he can't fathom that. But if you show him a 5K park run time, and this is why the park run world record exists. He's like, wow, that's really quick. When in actual fact, it might actually be slower than, than Kelvin Kipton's time. Well, like the local park run record maybe is, is faster. So what I'm getting at is you need, people need something to be able to benchmark themselves with in context. And, and maybe that's why they should bring the half marathon to something, you know, like they, they should make it higher profile to engage these people who have probably done a half marathon, would never think about a marathon, have done one half marathon in their lives and can benchmark themselves against something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Um, but yeah yeah so i think money's part of it i think you're right i think um profile as well like even these super halves yeah like they're pretty these are relatively high profile copenhagen lisbon prague etc but i don't i couldn't name you a winner of those i couldn't name you one winner of them and i also couldn't name you the half marathon world uh, sorry, the half marathon world record holder for the men no idea mm. yeah the coverage is certainly uh certainly not as large and there's not as many eyeballs watching but the, there's always been an interesting conversation that we've, you know, touched on here and there. And it's why do some marathoners not convert overly well from from the half to the full? Yeah. And like the biggest one to me is Jeffrey Camelwall. Like he's run yeah. 57 minutes. He's been he's run under 59 minutes. I don't know how many times a lot. And yet, you know, he's he hasn't really been able to match it with the best marathon runners really ever. Like he's still running quick times, like 204, 205, and he's won, you know, New York, and he's. He certainly hasn't uh, necessarily put up disappointing performances by any means, but he just hasn't been able to get down to that 202, 201, 203, which is, you know, I'd have to assume that if Kipchoge or Kipton did race a half, they wouldn't be probably a long way ahead of him, maybe not even ahead of him at all. They could be potentially side by side. So um, it is something that uh, is is a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a bit of a mystery or not, but some people just seem to convert really well. Like, Rose Harvey is one of the first ones that's fresh in my mind from the UK who ran 702 in the at the big half, who seemingly, you know, according to at least her social media, was very happy with that result and then went 223, which is a phenomenal conversion. That's um yep. that's basically, you know, 7140 twice in a row. I think she ran 223, 20 something. Um yep. and yeah, so I don't know. It's a what do you think on the on the on the topic? I mean, from phys from a physiological standpoint, you could point at a couple of markers, right? You could say they need to develop some durability and maybe that's part of it. You could also argue that they're perhaps not as economical, right? So if we're talking about the mix of what creates a fast half marathoner, you could probably have a, a maybe a higher VO2 max and a, and a slightly worse economy if you want to talk about it that way. I'm not sure I really believe that, but that that could be part of it, right? Is Camor is just really... A, a, has a high output and, and it's not particularly economic, economical. So he starts to wear that even more so as he breaks down towards the back end of a marathon and, and maybe hasn't done the long work. I just don't believe he hasn't done the long work though. Like I, I don't see how that exists for him. That's the, the simplest fix for a professional runner. So I'd suggest he probably has done it and he just hasn't developed that economy for some reason. Um, I have another friend who who's notoriously very similar to this and he really struggles to convert his half to a full. He's only just run uh sub three hours and, uh, and 256 even more recently and and then 
can't remember what his halftime is, but it's probably sort of one twenty or so. So like he's really struggling to convert that. Um, maybe he's even under one twenty. So yeah, some people just really struggle with economy as part of it. So that, that's probably one aspect. Otherwise, it's really hard to know. Maybe it's a day. Like the other thing with a half is you get a lot of cracks at it. If you have a bad half marathon, a couple down weeks, sharpen up again. You could probably have another crack and run pretty similar time or or a better time. You can't do that in the marathon. Like you can't be running. I mean, we say that Lisa Waitman ran two two really good marathons, uh, like you know, seven days apart. But uh, and and we did an episode on that, so go back and check that one out on on durability. I think it was why runners aren't strong or something like that. But um, the for the most part, it's really hard to back up from a marathon. Is is kind of what I'm getting at. And so maybe you don't get so many cracks at it. And if you make a bad decision here or there, or something goes pear shaped for you here or there, then all of a sudden you've had a bad one, and you've got to wait six months for a lot of people, or or at least four months or three months. So um, maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah, I think also it's very easy to. I think the conditions, you, you make a good point. It's a very simple point, but it's something that's probably overlooked a little bit or over, not really underestimated, should I say. And it's that also in a, in a marathon, I think the weather conditions can play a bigger role than in a half. So if, oh, it's, yeah. a little bit, if, it's, if it's 13 degrees and 85% humidity, I feel like most people can get away with running pretty well over a half. But that mm-hmm. can hurt a lot of people towards the end of a full, just having that humidity percentage a little bit too high. And once you know, mm-hmm. once you start to struggle in a marathon, especially if it's before thirty-five, the the losses can just be exponential, and that can just blow your time out, and you can end up losing minutes as a result of it. So yeah. I think getting getting perfect weather and only having three or four marathon attempts. I mean, the chances of you getting perfect weather in three or four marathons is pretty small. You, know, you probably have have to yeah. hang around for for five to eight of them to get really good conditions. Um, because that's really boils down to luck. Yes, you can pick races that are most likely going to be good weather. So Tokyo Marathon's normally pretty good. Valencia is normally pretty good. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still a bit of a luck, lucky dip, especially when it comes to some of them like Chicago and, um, and Boston. So yep. I think that's another thing. You're right. It's just like you can have way more stabs at the half and you can get one right. The, the odds of you getting one right and running a quick time in the half are much higher than in a marathon. Yeah. I also think when we think of a half, we think of the half for ourselves, right? So for you, that's, um, you know, between 60 and 70 minutes. For me, that's sort of between uh, 70 and, and 80 minutes. Um, for these guys, it's it's 60 minutes or less. Physiologically, an hour or less is very different to even like 70 minutes, 80 minutes, right? In terms of um, fuel stores, in terms of things that can go wrong, in terms of all that stuff, right? So these guys, it, it is actually very different for them compared to us, Um yeah, it, it just physiologically for them, it's quite different. So it may actually be that there's a different, uh, your, your chance of converting is a little bit different as an elite, say a, say a 61 or under um, compared to somebody who's more like a 67 or above. Uh, and it sounds like six minutes isn't a big deal, but but there's probably more of a gray zone there. So I think it becomes a lot harder in terms of fueling and all those things. Like these guys who run 59 minutes may get away without taking too much at all. They might take a little bit, but not a great deal. Um, whereas there are people who are listeners who probably take quite a few carbohydrates because you know it's a 90 minute thing for them or plus maybe it's two hours for some of our listeners yeah two hour half marathon for our uh, listeners is probably more akin to an elite marathon it's probably closer yeah because they're both two hours right so so sometimes you look at distance and don't think about duration and i think that's a that's a big part of it as well in terms of the conversion at least um so I, we touched a little bit on on like the halves not really being part of elite championships and i think that's that's also part of the the profile of them uh, we did, however, see recently uh, 
World Road Running Championships where they were part. And, and of course, this is the um, replacement to the World Half Marathon Champs. We saw the, the World Road Running Championships recently and they had a mile, a 5K. Um, I think they had a, I don't know if they had a 10, but they definitely had a, uh, I think they did have a 10 and then they had a half marathon, which I think is cool. And again, engaging the um, non-hardcore running uh, fan, right? So so not the, probably not the listeners of this podcast. Um, yeah. To, to you know, so the other people, right? The maybe the partners of this this these people's pod of the listeners of this podcast is about that, which is oh, that guy's running a you know a road five k. I know what that is, right? And I would say that you've got context for that. It's how many minutes a k, and something that I know you do, Matt. And I'm going to test you on this in a second. And this is a true test. I didn't tell Matt about this ahead of time. Is you can convert road paces really well to track times in terms of things like, um, you know, a 60 second, a 60 second, 400 is a whatever minute per kilometer. Right. And that's something I've never been able to do. I know I've run those. Well, I haven't run 60 seconds. Well, I've run one on the track. Yeah. Uh, I know exactly what that's like. Right. I've got context for that or 65 or 70 or whatever. I, I understand what that is, but I struggle to convert that to road. And that's me who spent a bunch of time on track and is now on the road. I guarantee you Joe public down the road has got zero idea how many seconds of 400 converts to a five minute kilometer. Like he's got no context for that. And, and that makes it really hard. And and again, we talked in some of our coverage talking about the coverage of the, I think it was the world athletic championships with, it's good to have the camera running alongside them. And we mentioned this in a Chicago marathon episode as well. The camera going alongside the runners is helpful because you actually see how fast they're moving, but having context for how fast they're running is also helpful. Right. So some people work in kilometers per hour. That's generally the cyclists. That's helpful, right? 20 Ks an hour or three minutes a kilometer. Uh, and then we go, okay, but well, what's that in a track time, right? And so when you're talking to um, track athletes, so that's helpful as well. So do a couple of conversions first, Matt. Like, you know, what's a five minute K on the track roughly? Per lap? Yeah. That's two minutes per 400. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, that's a really easy one. <laughs> <laughs> but what about, you know, like four minute Ks, you know, these sort of things, right? So I guess... I really struggle with that stuff of, or, you know, what is a, let's call it, what's a 70 second, a 70 second lap. What does that end up at? You know, for a, a 70 second, a 70 second 400 is 255. Okay. Cause it's 110, then 220, yeah. uh, which is 220 for 800 and then 255. Yeah. 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 I think I spent, I spent the only reason why I think I can do this is I spent quite a lot of time both on the track and doing some 3k, 5k, 10k road races at the same time yeah. for about four years straight. So I think just that four year period. Yeah. Yeah. Made it easy to and look, look at, the math isn't super hard, right? It's two and a half. Like it's not, it's not terrible, but I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of people who, sorry. Can can you then take the track 400 meter times to kilometers and then kilometers to mile pace? That's what I have to do when I'm living in the U (laughs) S no miles don't exist. We, we don't use, we don't use freedom. We don't use freedom units in this household. We use kilometers only. Um, fair enough. So, but, but it's a really good point is, it's like that context is really hard for people to understand, right? And and even to some degree, some track runners probably struggle with it a little bit. Um, if they're, you know, maybe shorter track runners would, would struggle with that. So I think that's, if we want to bring running to the people and, and really build its profile, we should be doing things that people understand and doing them in the context that they understand them, right? So half marathon makes a ton of sense for that. And as does then the context of on the road. Because again, a 5,000 meter on the track isn't the same as a 5K road. The times aren't the same. The experience isn't the same. None of it's the same. And so, yeah, we, we need to be engaging the running public there. Um, so that's my takeaway. I, I would actually prefer to see, like the in the Olympics, actually having road events, 
that aren't just the marathon. I would actually prefer that. I think it would be better for for support in general. Do you think the ten k or the half would be best, or something else? Um, I don't think we could have a half and a full in the Olympics. You dilute things too much. Um, I mean, Safan's already annoyed that she can't do the marathon and the ten k and the five k in the Olympics and the fifteen hundred meters. So. Um, I think you probably have to choose one of the uh, events and make it a road in one of them and make it a, a track. And, and perhaps that ends up with, um, I don't know, part of me wants to say do the 10,000 meters and the 1500 meters on the track and then do a 5k and a marathon, but it probably ends up the other way is a 10k and a marathon and, and then, um, 1500 and 5,000. Yeah. I think it'd be good to see the 10k move to the road. I think that'd be a good, good yeah. switch. Yeah. It's also like, again, we love it, but everyone in the stadium's like, Jeez, these guys have been running for a while. Yeah. So they get a bit sick yeah. of it, right? And even if you look at, at footage, they don't really show too much of it. And if we're talking about how it's run, it's almost always tactical. And then as a result of it almost always being tactical, it's like, well, so now we've got, you know, we're just dawdling along for a while. So maybe that's a bit different on the road. And interestingly, in the World Road Championships, you actually saw people really struggling to pace their mile like the, the, the last finishing spurt of the mile because they're so used to having a track and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm at 200 to go, right? That doesn't feel the same on the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, all righty. Uh, I think one of the things I wanted to touch on to finish off and and you mentioned this before we started recording was like around the profile and that sort of stuff and we've alluded to it in this podcast already and I think wh- why is the Super Halves and, and the World Marathon Majors a thing at all? Right. And yes, we talked about sponsorship, but I think a lot of it boils down to like gamification. Right. And for those not familiar with gamification, it's, it's, I mean, probably all of your smartwatches have it. Right. It's, it's badges, it's achievements, it's streaks, it's all that stuff. It's getting a medal and building it up. Right. Cause both of these things, you have a series to do. You have a task. Now you do the task and you do, you've got steps along the road. Now you get them all. And now you've done the six, um, Super halves, now you get your super half medal. Same with the world marathon major medal that you see them all finishing. And if you haven't, Google it, you'll, uh, or, Instagram it, you'll see them. They get the World Marathon Major, the six-star finisher medal. Now they're going to add two more. Now these people have to do a bit more of the quest, right? It's just like a video game. It's gamification. So I think there's a big um, achievement thing to this, right? And, and you and I have talked off air a little bit matter recently a lot around running motivation and, and struggles with it at times and what gets us out. And this is the sort of thing that gets people going, right? Is like, oh, you know, yeah. there's probably the initial... I want to run a half marathon, right? But then it's like, to what end? All right, or I can't run a PB. It's like, I'll go run that one. And why would you choose to go somewhere? Well, there's something to achieve. It's another thing. Okay, cool. Let's go there, right? So why would someone in Australia go run the Lisbon half? Well, it's part of this half series. Oh, well, I may as well do the other ones then. Yeah. Right? So now all of a sudden, it's you create a, you sort of create a, uh, a little bit of a network that it happens in. So a great example of this is Park Run. And a family member of mine yep. who, I, who I won't name uh, got into running at a much later stage in life, basically on the uh, in the incentives of park run. And obviously, there's absolutely no financial incentive there to do a park run. So, for those in the US listening who actually, uh, I know a lot of people from the US don't know park run, but park runs a 5K event that happens in many different areas around the world, thousands actually, on Saturday morning, every Saturday without fail at 9 a.m. or at least it's between 8 and 10 a.m. start. There's and hundreds of a- hundreds of these in Australia, hundreds of these in the UK. What were you going to say? It's timed. It's a timed 5K as well with a community yep. around it. So you actually get a time every time and there's a barcode and you go do them. And started yep. in the UK, actually started not too far from here in Bushy Park for those yeah. running fans. That was the first one. Um, big in Australia. It's recently gotten to the Netherlands. Um, and yeah. yeah, so it's it's taking over. I'm sure there are some in the US now. 
There are some in the US, but for whatever reason, it hasn't taken off here. Um, I've been to a couple, actually. I've been to uh, one in San Fran, one in LA, one in Boulder, and they all had less than 20 people there. So uh, for context, wow. in Australia and in the UK, some of them get hundreds, um, some even thousands, but that's that's rare. Yeah. Um, uh, and anyway, the point of bringing this up is that there's all these different, uh, you know, things you can achieve in parkrun. For example, you can obviously reach 50, you can reach 100, you can reach 250, you can reach 500. This is an amount of parkruns you have completed. And you get and all these get, different, yeah, yeah, shirts and stuff with it, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, the other games that they are playing, which is my, my family member is involved in this, is they try and tick off park runs like an alf, like an alphabet. So they'll go to one in Adelaide, which starts with A, and then they'll yeah. go to one in Brisbane, which starts with B, and uh, and yeah. then they'll try and tick off every single letter, which obviously gets hard when you get to Q and V and Z and yeah. all this. And so people travel to to great lengths to try and tick these boxes, and uh, there's yeah. no money involved. It's just purely just a game to play. Uh, amongst your friends there's lots of pride involved uh so yeah sort of another yeah. smaller example of this but um yeah i think the I other mean, big yeah you go i was gonna say in a cool way that it also creates volunteers because then people volunteer to put them on for other people so they become the race directors and that sort of stuff like i've got a friend who does park run quite a bit but then he goes in and he's you know he will help guide the park run because you need volunteers to stand there and do stuff so i think it's really cool for the community to be honest but it's a it's a thing, parkrun tourism. People go on a holiday and they go see it, search nearest parkrun so they can say they've ticked another one off. It's a real thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. People go to go on trips revolving around a parkrun or two if it's over two weekends. I know plenty of people that have done that. Um but I think back to the world majors and the super halves, like part of the appeal really is that a similar similar idea. But also because they're spread out all around the world, um uh I think there's just such an appeal to to travel you know, to, to tick these boxes as well. And for, to, if you're, if you're not really sure where to go on a holiday and nothing really appeals to you, then this is sort of a new way to look at traveling and same thing with park run. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what can I, how can I revolve my trip around one particular event? So I think it's a, it's a great thing. Yeah, for sure. And look, I understand as well, like looking at these, I just had a moment of like, we've got listeners in Australia. None of those seem that close to Australia at all. Right. And this is like, yeah, well, why these are all in actually, these, unlike the world majors, these are all in a very sort of small area, actually. In yeah. Europe. I was They're just thinking, I said, I said, you could do these in a year. It's like, I could do them in a year because I live in London, but uh, someone in Australia cannot do these in a year. That's a, a very different position. So my apologies there. But uh, I mean, that's why they've added Sydney and Cape Town. And I'm pretty sure that, I mean, they, they're not officially added yet, but they're going to be added. Let's be honest, the world marathon majors. It's to try and make it more global and less European centric, which I think is or European US centric, which I think is good. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the super halves keep expanding and they add, given they've got you six years to do this in, what I think they're going to do is add a bunch more. Uh, probably add them from probably some of the states, one of the more famous ones, probably like LA, like sorry, not LA, um, the Vegas rock and roll or something like that would be one, you know, something like that where you've got some appeal to go there um they would do something like that no doubt yeah i think so too maybe well, New York uh, half. yeah no there's a few in, there's a few in the u.s that i can think of houston as well is, a, is another good one yeah um but new york yeah, yeah, for sure new york probably probably the biggest one but yeah i think you've got to think about the incentives there that they probably wouldn't do that because those two have got a high profile as it is right so maybe it's it's what you need ones that are lower profile so to speak um where people aren't necessarily going because houston half people are going because it's fast yeah right like there's no, they don't need any more help getting people there. All righty, that's it for another episode of Pro Running News. So thanks again to all the listeners. As always, appreciate you listening, appreciate you sharing on social media, liking on social media, commenting, and of course, uh, rating the podcast. So thanks very much, and uh, we'll be back soon.